This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter. And they were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the ranks, Rob Carney, out of Fitzgerald again, Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Ali. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio on the week of weeks, the biggest week in the history of Irish rugby by Luke Fitzgerald and Fergus McFadden. Lads, hello. Will, how is are that you? a suitably big build up for what is? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was probably slightly over the top, but it, it's a pretty yeah, big you week. You can tell you're a rugby nerd. No, yeah. you're, you're buzzing. It's the biggest week in. Four years, so yeah, yeah very exciting. Very well, yeah, exciting. you say I'm buzzing, but I'm putting on a bit of bravado for <laughs> Sorry, the... Sorry, no. For, yeah, because off, off air I said I need a bit of positivity. In my mind, Ireland have already been eliminated. I've already moved on in my head, so yeah, am I wrong? An, you can tell you're an entertainer. You can tell you're an entertainer. <laughs> Look, I don't think it's it's not ideal. I still, I know we had a lot of debate before the competition started about how good South Africa were, and I think definitely warranted. You know, they had been, they played really good rugby in the rugby championship. They were coming in with some good form. Lots of guys back, but geez, I, I still thought that before the competition started that I thought New Zealand would be the tougher proposition for us. So, um, look, we made a mess of the match against Japan. I know they're very good. I still feel like we're a better team than them. Um, so, look, we're in this position now. Only thing I would say is, like, you know, Ireland, they have beaten New Zealand the last couple of years. And they, you know, the one in Chicago, you could say, look, they didn't have that many guys available. But the other one in the Aviva, like, that was a full that was a full strength team. So mm. um, we're definitely capable of doing it on the day. Like, I mean, lots of things have to come together for it. Um, and I'm still not unbelievably positive about it. I still feel like, you know, they should beat us. Um, but I still think we could beat them. So I'm not completely down the dumps about it. What's your mood like? For you're, you're wearing very fancy clothes today. I don't know if that's what is that an indication of your. I, I thought there was a dress code this evening <laughs> for, for the biggest week you're in Irish rugby. Yeah, I'm very interested. Yeah, we have a big bumper blockbuster guest for this week of week. Scott Fardy, uh, Leinster star and uh, former Wallaby star, will be joining us in a few minutes. But yeah, what, what's your what's your mood like? Yeah, I'd, generally, I'd, I'd agree with it's good. It's good. I think that um, you know there was a lot of doom and gloom in general from. Uh, the media and probably in the Irish public about how Ireland were going in the group stages and um, the group stages is done now and at the end of the day we did finish it on a real high mm. you know beating Samoa like we did scoring seven tries they only scored one 
And, you know, we were 14 men for, uh, I think it was 50, 50 minutes or so. So mm. I thought it was a really convincing win by them. Um, I thought some guys played uh, outstandingly well in that game, really put their hands up for selection. So uh, as Luke said, you know, a lot of things do need to go right for us. But we knew that before the tournament started, whether it was South Africa or New Zealand, it's going to have to be um, a Roy the Rovers uh, type of performance and probably one of the best under Joe Schmidt. But um, I think with the players we have, the big game players, and I'm sure Joe will have a, a great plan for the day. Yeah, there's lots of stuff to get into with Scott when he arrives in a few minutes. But first, lads, I saw that you guys wrote Jamie Heesop's book launch yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Former teammate, how, how did that go? Yeah, it went well. Like, it's always nice to catch up with, with, with the guys. I probably see Ferg more than I see anyone else. Um, maybe no one else will hang around me, I don't know. But uh, no, the <laughs> Burned two lads, bridges. <laughs> I probably have at this stage. But no, it was great to catch up, like, um, and hopefully the, the, the book sales go go well for Jamie. Like, in fairness, I think, um, you know, sometimes you can maybe be a little bit of a Marmite character, I think, for, for some, like, particularly all around Ireland. Um, but I think amongst Leinster supporters, like, he's just such a good servant. I thought he was a brilliant servant for Ireland. And um, I loved everything about playing with Jamie. I really felt like he was a guy you could rely on, like when things got bad and tough in games. Um, he was a great trainer. I always a great guy as well to be around. Very positive, good fun as well. So um, yeah, more than happy were, to, to were, share the day. With were him. either of you mentioned the book? Do you know? Did you flick to the back? I don't know if the book still have the index. Yeah. Is where he was flicked. <laughs> I didn't check. Under right? for under. We, we, I just cleared a few things and it was like, as long as that's not in there, that's not in there. That's fine. The rest of it, far away. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did a Q&A at it, myself, Luke and uh, Sean O'Brien. We came up on stage after he did a thing with um, an individual piece with uh, Matt Cooper for a while. But um, yeah, probably should have asked him beforehand, uh, has he thrown any of us <laughs> under the bus? <laughs> I wouldn't have been as quick to jump up and answer the questions. But um, yeah. yeah, knowing Jamie, it was, it, it, like, listen, uh, I think of our generation, um, after Drico and that, he probably the biggest superstar, really. Mm. Um, he had a glittering career that he did everything, really. There's nothing he didn't do. Um, I'm sure he was gutted to miss that Grand Slam that Ireland had, but would have been his second one in 2018. But um, if he hadn't have picked up that injury, he'd be probably the most decorated Irish player, along with Rob Kearney. So... Uh, I'm sure it should be an insight, a good insight into his um, his full career. Would Interesting you? guy as well, though. Will, like the stuff off the pitch, like you don't always share that stuff with each other. You know, like you know when you hear about him kind of like sleeping in a tent and stuff for like preseason, all this kind of like an, an oxygen, oxygen chamber, or whatever the fuck it was. Oh, excuse my language, whatever <laughs> it was. Um, but he. Uh, like he's an interesting character. Like he tried the, his very level best to get the most out of his career. Mm. Now it ended in a very disappointing way for him. But he can look back and say, very much like the, in the mold of a Peter Stringer or uh, maybe not so much Jerry Franny, but like guys who were just brilliant trainers who really made the most out of their career. Like Jamie, like look, he's a brilliant athlete in that naturally, um, and a smart rugby player. He probably you know doesn't get enough credit for that. But he really looked after himself well and got a, like an amazing career. Like the stats, like not injured for like ten years. I like how incredible. you just swipe Jerry Flannery there. So like, well, no, maybe he had, not he, Jerry no, he had lots of injuries. But sorry, <laughs> I was putting him in the category in terms yeah. of like how hard he trained um, and the shape he was in. And that like Jerry, like Flannery was an unbelievable trainer. But I think he probably had more injuries. I think Stringer is probably a better example in terms of comparing someone who had like so few injuries. You know, would either of you ever read a team former teammates book just to see what? No. Um, have either, well, either have you have, have either of you ever read one of them? Yeah. Being completely honest, I haven't. I haven't read yeah. one. No, I haven't. I'd be lying to if I said I did. But um, it's kind of funny when you've been that close to some of the guys that uh, you, you kind of know 
most things that have happened in their yeah. career. You know, most of the stories and an awful lot of ones that I probably aren't in the book as well. <laughs> yeah, you uh, hope for, aren't in for, the book. Is it an observation <laughs> when someone is releasing a book about like something you've been so heavily involved in? Like, is it a bit strange that it's not a normal thing to have your life? Go- I know it wouldn't, it's not directly one or either of you, but like you're kind of fairly involved in a lot of these things. Do you know what I find interesting? I'm interested in Ferg's opinion on this one, but I always think like it's amazing how when you have like 30 people in a room, how differently 30 people see it. Like, you know, and how it, how like, you know, everyone's still focused on their own internal thing, but, and you probably have a few things that yes, the group is very much on the same page with, but there's loads of other stuff that pe- like different dynamics and relationships with the coach or with other players. Like I always find that kind of, that's an yeah. interesting thing. I Like when I ever read any passages of them or anything like that, they're the interesting things for me is when I'm like, geez, I was in that room. I don't, that's never, yeah. never even occurred to me to think like that. Or, oh, geez, I never knew that they had a yeah. falling out with the coach or, you know, think, do you ever find that stuff? Well, when I you're... think it's, it's, that's, um, that's going to be obvious. I think from different people are going to have mm. different experiences through, with different coaches. Mm. You know, it's clear that, that Jamie and Eddie O'Sullivan don't see eye to eye. I think he said that and supposedly he, he goes into that in his book. But on the flip side of that, Jamie and Joe Schmidt, they seem to have, they do have a great relationship, but he was the first name on Joe Schmidt's uh, team sheet for his whole career. So, of course, that's going to um, alter your your view on the coach and on the person. So, uh, yeah, it is interesting. To, I'm sure it is interesting, some of the stuff he um, has in the book. And for the public, uh, I'm sure it'll be a great read. Mm. Have either of you ever been like... Blasted in someone's book, or, or like anything. You, uh, or I don't know. You, so you've never read them, so you don't know. No, I remember. I remember Jordan Murphy uh, said something about me, and I, I actually did. I read, like, I looked up exactly what you said. I looked it in, and I was like, "Where am I in this?" And I said, "I see, like, mentioned twi- twice." And I was like, "Oh yeah, it was like never a fullback." And I was like, "Oh, that really pissed me off." I was like, "That guy, like." couldn't tackle a, you know, wouldn't tackle a big dinner. Do you know what I mean? I was like, and that actually he's, he's kind of giving me stick in his book. But that was the only time I've ever actually like picked something up and gone, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I actually love Jordy. I got on unbelievably well. You did. so nice. But then I was like, that bastard. I was like, but look, again, only a rugby opinion. You, you can't curious? take Do you not want to go into Hodges and Figures after this and just go to every rugby book and nah, just see like under your name and see what that's Not really. Because like, as Ferg said, like you're kind of... Um, you, you were kind of there for most of them anyway, unless I was probably injured for them. But like, yeah, other than that, you were kind of there. So I think you probably have your own view. Like, as I said, the only interesting thing I probably could see myself being interested in anyway is a, like a different opinion on something. Maybe that, like I was in a room and I said, geez, I don't remember it like that. Or I don't even remember that happening. Um, those things I might find interesting. But other than that, you were kind of there for them. Mm. So it's hard to get too interested in them. Was well, either of you ever do a book? Never say never, I suppose. Yeah. Probably a bit late for Luke in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Ferg's he needs a few quid, Luke, will come out with one there. <laughs> Could be crawling back All the with the Do you Hopefully know what? I have such a bad memory that I probably wouldn't actually, I don't, I don't think I'd remember enough of my career. Well, you're Plus, probably, most of us on the be- most of us sitting out injured. You're probably the only player on that grandstand team who hasn't released one, though. Yeah, but I don't, think, I don't think you being injured is a reason for you not to do a book. If anything, I think, I think the public like to hear uh, the road less travelled as well. You know, um, I yeah. think that um, the, the, the books that um, the likes of Paul, Paulie O'Connell and, and Drick would have done, are, their stories are incredible and they're, they're 1% of a rugby population who have a career where nothing really went wrong. They were always picked and all the rest. But for guys that did, you know, you know um, 
fall the wrong side of selection and get injured at tough times in their career, not make World Cups, then make other World Cups. The ups and downs of, 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 a, of a professional sporting career is, is very interesting for the public to hear about because um, at oftentimes they only see the good stuff. Has that convinced uh, you? If you are... <laughs> If anyone is listening there, I am available. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, 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 do you know what? I just don't feel like my... It's I, It's an interesting, though. It's an interesting take, because there's two views. I suppose I just feel like like most of my stuff would be pretty, like, uh, pretty grim, you know, like pretty like, coming back from an injury, like, and I feel like it'll have a fairly similar team across the board where, like, there was good... Like, coming to a really good, you know, playing a few months in a row or a few years in a row, everything going really well and all of a sudden you have to like pretty much restart from scratch like learn how to walk again learn how to use your arm sounds again sounds pretty compelling uh, yeah maybe I'm yeah I'm, oh, this isn't a sell by the way I just feel like it'll be kind of that and that's all I'll have to tell and also as I said my memory for stuff is so like I, I remember some things like really vividly but for like large portions of it I, it's a blur that's what the ghostwriter i.e. <laughs> me is here for yeah, yeah. I was wondering where you were going with this why do you think I, <laughs> 10 minutes just to get to me pitching myself as a potential ghostwriter yeah look they, so, sorry people like I, I just feel like people like I've read other sports like you know Roy Keane's books and those things I always were like growing up Nadal's book Agassi's book like they were class reads like just real different personalities you know how they were brought up like but you Agassi's, know. Agassi's book is fairly dark and I know he had a like an unbelievable career but he you obviously read it so mm. you know this like he goes into how much he probably hated tennis towards the end and he was kind of just playing for more financial reasons and yeah. you know that they're the kind of stories that people want to hear really they want to you know get yeah. behind the closed doors of what the person is actually like and their personality and um the kind of the hurdles that they had to jump through through their career really yeah like i read two books with brian o'driscoll and neither of them i don't remember a single thing about either of them <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's the kind of the it is as Ferg says like the kind of the more not necessarily darker stories but ones that aren't maybe as straightforward like for O'Driscoll getting dropped in a lines test was the only real kind of of his career time yeah. when he although we did talk back. about different things like so sorry do you know what I found interesting um at that you know the, I think the book you're probably talking about or maybe it was the one previous was the part about where he was actually still getting picked in all the teams. But he had a massive loss of confidence. Because um, I do remember him asking me at the time about um, Enda McNulty. And I never really thought anything about it. I actually didn't know he'd gone to see him. Um, because all the lads that the, the previous year, it's funny because I was the first in with Enda. Like it was me, a guy like Dave Moore, who was a young guy, and myself and Dave kind of met him, and David Gillick, the sprinter. Um, and all the guys were kind of asking me about Enda McNulty. Um, and I thought it was because they, they, like pretty much they got him into Leinster just after because Cheka was asking me, Jamie Heasey was asking me, all the senior guys were asking about him. And they kind of got him in afterwards, um, I think. And Cheka obviously really bounced off and really liked Enda. But I didn't realise that, like, Jamie ended up having a brilliant relationship with Enda throughout his whole career. But Trico actually went to him as well and found him really good in a period in his career when I wouldn't have noticed. I thought he was still brilliant, but he wasn't scoring any tries. He told him to watch clips of his whole tries but that's to remember sorry, but the things like that, so, Sorry, sometimes it's sport is so funny and it just turns. That's sports psychology 101. <laughs> <laughs> I would have told him that. Yeah, exactly. Was he getting paid for that session? <laughs> but sorry, like that was interesting to me because I was playing next to him. We were playing next to him and I never knew that he was struggling with his confidence. Um, I always thought, geez, Rick was bulletproof. You know, he's just like one of the best of all time and he just wouldn't struggle. So, yeah, there are interesting things like that, and, and it probably ties in with Ferg's point about, like people want to hear about the stuff, the 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 tricky stuff during your career, the tricky parts, and maybe the challenges that you had. Not all just the great stuff and the good times you had together, because, like, 
you know, is that interesting? You probably watched it all with them and you could understand the crack, or maybe you couldn't, but like who cares about every piss up after a big a big win unless you were actually at it, you know? Well, that's why Tiger Woods' story is so much more interesting now. And obviously he's one of the you know, he always has been uh, I think he's coming out with one, isn't he? I saw he said today. I think he's coming out I with one. Yeah, like him and one himself. With the film. Is it with a film, is it? it? He, look, obviously that would sell unbelievably well, but yeah. my point about him is is that he was always a global superstar. And, you know, the first kind of black golfer to really break it. And he's such an iconic figure. But at the same time, his fall from grace was almost more interesting for a lot of people. And then for him to get back up again yeah. and uh, to uh, win the Masters, uh, like the story, it was just a, an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable sporting story of... Um, Someone coming back from the dead, really, and people love love to hear those those yeah, tales. Mm. They do, yeah, yeah, no. Well, we could talk about book proposals all night, but now <laughs> it's time to turn our attention towards uh, this weekend in the World Cup quarterfinals. I'm delighted to welcome in the studio Scott Fardy. Scott, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's a big week for not just Irish, but we, you know, for your own Australia as well, and for a few other uh, countries as well this weekend with the World Cup quarterfinals. But we'll start with the Ireland New Zealand game, if you don't mind. I was telling the lads earlier, I'm a I'm a bit downbeat. <laughs> I don't know how good our chances are. Like, how do you see the game just to start off? Yeah, I was just I was thinking about it on the way here. I was thinking, geez, they haven't leaked many tries, have they? And Scotland put some put a few tries on Japan over the, you know, in the last game there. So you know, Ireland's defence has held up pretty well, and that's something that that you know those November you saw the Eng the first England game, obviously or the the only England game in the the warm up games they they struggled defensively, but you know I think the defence has held up pretty well, and mm -hmm. you can win a game six three three nil whatever. So um, you know, while the defence holds up, they're a chance. Yeah, just two tries conceded, and I guess that's something that hasn't been touched on that much. From I guess when you're facing such a daunting prospect with the All Blacks and their ball in hand ability, that could be very important. Well, it is. Like it was interesting last night. We were talking to I think it was Sean O'Brien, or maybe yourself uh, mentioned it about Andy Farrell and having like a big impact on, on in terms of the defence and his record against New Zealand has been really good like he's you know obviously is a three out of three out of the last four he's played them with the Lions obviously if you include the Lions so um whether he stumbled on something that maybe you know he feels like if we can you know be aggressive in this area if we can be kind of very organized and disciplined and and you know do like, execute on the plan defensively we can kind of stifle them and we can frustrate them and you saw I think South Africa had parts of the game where they definitely were able to do that so look y you can do it I just feel like it's a it's a huge ask. I think everyone has you know would recognise that it's not a, exactly a light bulb moment for anyone. But um, look, they have they have a few things there that they could rely on. Like they have a few performances there against them where you can say, yeah, look, we can go back to that. We have beaten these guys. Um, so it's not all is not lost. I just think it's a big ask. Yeah, for how relevant are those two games or the four games that they've played New Zealand under Joe? Um, I know from the Irish perspective, having listened to the lads this week, they are referring to them a lot. Whereas conversely, like naturally the All Blacks, where they haven't beaten a couple of times, they're not really putting much stock in it, or so they say. Well, I think as a team, it's always going to be in your subconscious, particularly when you're, I suppose, untouchable like the All Blacks, you know, and I don't think many other teams would have had the strike rate we have against them under that this particular coach. So, you know, 50% win rate against the All Blacks and the game in 2013, we, we kind of got robbed at the end of that as well. You know, we should have won that match. Um, I think just back to Scott's point about the defence, I think it is a great one. I don't think many people have touched on it. I think when we did beat them in Dublin, um, our defence was outstanding. They didn't score. I think it's the first time they didn't score a try in, in maybe over a year or something like that. Um, but I just feel with this fixture, we have to start well. I think um, when we beat uh, these top teams with Joe Schmidt, we started very well in the game and took an early lead. I think if you cough up 
tries or um, six, nine points against the All Blacks, they're very hard to peel back. So the start of the game is going to be pivotal. And yes, Scott, just to take a step back for a second and just talk about Ireland's quarterfinal record in general, which obviously is very good. Whereas, twice, was it? Australia, yeah. yeah. Whereas Australia, you know, are usually able to turn it on at World Cup time. Like even in 2011, Ireland beat them, and Australia yeah. ended up making the semi-final, and Ireland went out in the quarterfinals. Like from from your perspective, why do you think we have struggled, to, you know, to get over the line in, in, in a quarterfinal over the years? Because there's been so many different, you know, games and reasons why. But is there anything you've noticed or thought? No, not really. Like I think every team's different, and the, the teams evolved, you know, over the last, you know, twelve years or whatever. You know, you look at the last World Cups. Like you go back again, the game was so different when they lost those other quarterfinals. It doesn't. It's not relevant to to this squad that you know is playing today because you know these guys have won a Six Nations. Most of the guys, you know, a couple of times they've won European championships. They've played big games and, and performed. So it's, it's, you know, the relevance between between those. You know the past World Cups and this current squad. Maybe you look back to to the Argentina game or last World Cup, but Argentina came out very hot in that game, and and obviously with the injuries Ireland had, um, you know there was the, the depth was tested. But you know in the past, so you can, I don't think you can look back too far. You know I think that um, you know these guys have achieved a lot already in in their careers, and they can manage this this situation. I think that's a big point, like because I think like lots of people will be talking about the last kind of quarterfinal against Argentina and as Scott said like we've talked about loads on the show like if you take like there were five really top players out of any team like yeah it, it tests your strength but like there's no team if you took like New Zealand in the last World Cup they're five best players so you think Ireland had Payne, O'Brien, O'Mahony, O'Connell and Johnny Sexton out if you took Carter, McCaw, Ritalik, Conrad Smith out of that team that would have a massive impact on that New Zealand team as well. Like, I don't think they'd be the same either. So I'm not, I'm not saying that they wouldn't survive better, but I'm just saying I think that was a pretty unlucky um, situation to be in in the last World Cup. And I do feel like, you know, if there's any coach that can get a team up for a big game and have a really good game plan that everyone can really believe in, that makes sense to everyone, um, and, and there's a group of guys that, like, you can get a group of guys on the same page to deliver it, like, it's Joe Schmidt. I really believe that. I think we're in a great position to go and do something special. But... I just will say at the same time, I don't think we've seen the best New Zealand yet. I think they look really good for patches and struggled against South Africa, but I feel like, I'm just worried about it. I feel like the, the, the time off for them, I think will really benefit them. But it'll be probably have been four weeks since they've really played together because you know they played Namibia and Canada where there would have been a lot of rotation. The Italy game was cancelled. Like maybe clutching our straws a bit here, but is there anything there for the, you know for their key guys not to have played in a long time? Brody Ritalik has been out since the rugby championship with a shoulder injury. He's coming back in, having not played any rugby. Mm. An anything there for? Yeah, I think you could um, argue that. Uh, I think Ritalik definitely would have liked another game against Italy. Um, I think Hansen probably would have liked the full team to get a, 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 that game against Italy. To be honest, to the type of side the All Blacks where they seem to love. Like the Kiwis just love playing matches. Like we love pumping people. Well, you know it. <laughs> it's always nice when you're beating everyone with forty. You points. know it, Jameson, Jameson Gibson Park, and James Lowe have been in Leinster and Issa previously. They love playing and train. They love training every single day, and they love playing no matter who they're playing against. They just love it. Do you know what I mean? So they 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 not, they don't come from the type of culture where they like to get rested. I think for their top players, they like some McCall and Carter. They got so many caps because they like to play in every single test match. I think that. Um, the Italian game would have been a nice one for them to have leading into this because they still would have had the week, um, you know, leading into it, the seven days. So um, you could argue that will work in Ireland's favour. I think we'll be, we'll be flying a bit higher now after beating Samoa as we did. Um, obviously disappointing to lose Bundy a key, but I think, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily weaken the the team with him not playing because, you know, uh, Gary Ringrose has been outstanding for all the games he's played um, at the World Cup and Robbie Henshaw back fit again. I think that partnership is as strong as any. Well, there's an argument also that's a if once you're on that side of the draw too, that's the seven day turnaround going into a final. So you're a distinct advantage playing a final on a seven day turnaround. So last lower World Cup we were on the we played the last we played the quarters semis on a Sunday. So then we had a six day turnaround into the final, which is you know, which is massive. Yeah. Leading into the biggest game there is and you're you know, you're resting your bodies on the Monday while your opposition are on the on the training pack on the training park running around getting ready for you. And Tuesdays Tuesday they're flying into it. While Tuesday we're still kind of stepping back into it. So um, yeah, that's an advantage to be on that side. So once you you know if you can get through New Zealand, you've got that seven day seven day for the rest of the World Cup, which is like as for a coach's planning perspective, is probably better than than trying to manage this eight day seven day six day scenario which they'll have on the other side a, val- a valid point, point but I don't know how much like we're, we're kind of looking ahead to a semi-final and a final <laughs> the, the one thing yeah you got to yeah. think you got to like look I, I do get it I, like my one concern about the and I, and I actually completely agree with you I do agree like the Kiwis they just it's not a problem for them just yeah. to keep going but what I would say is in terms of the break um, they're kind of towards the you know almost like three quarters of the way um, towards the end of their season, you know, so it's almost like he's had a break. He's played like say the likes of Vitalik, like he's played a Super Rugby season. Like he's not like a break for him. I think is probably nearly a good thing. Um, I think he won't be. It won't be an issue for them because they've got the match fitness in. Whereas if you look at us, a break like that, you know, I think it it, it can go either way for us. I feel like for them, it'll always be a benefit considering the type of the, the time in the season they're at versus what their normal season is. And mm. uh, whereas like for us. Like we're still getting into the like I feel like we're just kind of hitting our straps now. Um, I'm just glad we got through the group stages because that's a big risk. You look at Scotland; it looks like they just never got out of the traps. Now you could say Japan are better than them, um, and look, I think on merit they definitely were in the match and through the throughout the pool stages. But it's a difficult proposition when you're starting a season versus like the Southern Hemisphere teams are coming in off Super Rugby and a championship. So. Um, that's my worry about it, is I think the break actually might help them. But I get the point. Like the, the Kiwis love just playing and playing and playing and they've looked there's so much depth like Rico Yuani can't even get in the bloody team like come on like these like it's a huge ask for right. us well yeah like in terms of the team that Ireland beat last November there was only six survivors to the team that New Zealand who beat South Africa so there's been that's you know nine players different I know Retallick was injured and maybe one or two other lads but they've brought in four or five six new faces in a very short space of time so they've kind of retooled haven't they you know even putting Moanga to, to 10 and Barrett to 15 like moving a two-time world player of the year out of his best position Seemed like a pretty crazy gamble during the rugby championship when they weren't really clicking, but all of a sudden it does look like it's paying a bit of dividend. Albeit, it's only really been that once that after a game where we've seen it really go well. Exactly, yeah, and the Irish team will certainly really test them. Um, you know, we had an argument about the um, who the be- their best ten was. I think in the first week of this show, <clears throat> and I said that I thought Bowden Barrett was um, a better ten, and you were arguing he's better. 15 for them because you got Moanga at 10 and him as the extra distributor but um, I think that the reason they have Moanga there is because of his kicking percentages I think he's he, I don't think he's missed many kicks at the World Cup so far and if you look at those two games Ireland lost against the All Blacks in Chicago and in Dublin I think Bowden Barrett missed uh, two or three kicks in okay. both games so think of like six nine points in, in this type of match is huge so I think that that could play into the All Blacks' favour, the fact that Moanga will be there and they'll have a lot more certainty from the tee. 
And Scott, just on Brody Vitalik, someone you've obviously played <coughs> against a good few times, like Steve Hansen, like immediately after he got that shoulder injury, he sat at a stall and said, I'm bringing him, I don't care if he's not fit until the quarterfinal. It shows him which faith he puts in him. Like, why is he so good, do you think? Well, I think they run a lot through him. And obviously, he line-out time, he's you know very good at line-out time defensively and in attack and, and ball defence and all those you know all those things that second rows are good at. But then they love to play him in a shape in the middle of the field where you know he plays a forward short or they go at the back, which gives him really good width and attack. Oh. And he always seems to be the man in the middle that does that. So you know, he, has, he has a massive influence on how they play. And defensively, he, he brings this kind of you know, aggression that um, you know, probably some of the other guys might not have as much. But he's their real you know, kind of aggressive linchpin, I think, as well. He brings a great balance to it, yeah. I think, doesn't he? Like, I think, like, that, that second row pairing, um, you know, alongside Whitelock, like, they just look, they remind me very much of a both, a kind of Matfield or, yeah. you know, a Johnson and Kay. Like, they just have the little bit of deft touches. They've also got the, like, the gritty kind of gnarl if they're in a bit of a battle. Like. A bit of Johnson K for the deft touches. <laughs> well, maybe, sorry, but like, Ben you know K I mean? is getting a great ben boost. K, but, like, but I think Martin Johnson was actually quite good around the pitch and that, like, very smart operator in that. Uh, so that'll be my view on it. Maybe I'm wrong. Scott will probably tell me more. But sorry, they were great. They're a great partnership. And I think yeah. most great teams have a brilliant second row partnership you know mm. I think you look at England it's probably why they've been playing really well look at Saracens yeah. like it, you know a brilliant second like it's your engine room I think you know the reason Hansen's brought him is basically is based on that is that he like he recognises his importance to the team as Scott said like he's a link man for him like he passes better like there's not, yeah. he was he's twice the passer so I was ever and I played in the centre like he's a <laughs> like he's an unbelievable ball handler um, I'm just unbelievably impressed with how calm he is at delivering stuff even to the backs his decision making to drop it to the forward like he's as good as like Jesus some of the tens in the tournament definitely you know he's class there but everything else like the impact physically he has like you mentioned it there like the tackling the mauls like he's involved in everything that's really good about New Zealand I think and as you said like there's lots of other guys that like might have the deft touches and that and are very skillful but he brings everything to me they, they always look about 10% off when he's not playing I feel mm, like yeah. they'll, they'll win all the time and they'll go well but when he's not playing they're just slightly off like yeah. I think he's He's so important to them. Like uh, I think he's, to me, he's he's probably the you know top three players in the world. I think he's every year. Right? Yeah, the only type yeah, five forward to yeah. ever win World Player of the Year, and he was him and Whitelock were both missing that game in Chicago when Ireland finally beat them for the first time. Mm. Uh, but just to move on to maybe the tactical battle, like Luke referred to Joe Schmidt earlier, obviously, and, and the game plan he might you know bring. Do you expect it to be? Will there be anything new in it, or because there has been you know people hoping that maybe Ireland have been keeping one or two things for a quarter final against one of the big guns? Do you expect that to be the case, or will it be <coughs> very much what we've seen before, just executed ideally really really well? No, he'll definitely have one or two trick plays. I'd say we've never seen before. Um, you know that one he pulled out against the All Blacks in the That's Aviva yeah. in uh, the November in 2017 when we beat them 16-9 uh, that try that Stockdale scored where um, get the ball off the top of the line out Johnny goes out gives it to Pundia Key on a switch line he throws it to Stockdale that was pre-planned because Joe would have looked at their pack thinking that they're going to tear across the pitch you know looking to get to the first break and get set defensively they've probably been doing that in, in a load of previous games he probably identified the space is going to be there and it was Stockdale had a one-on-one chipped it over the top and scored a try that really won that game so <clears throat> I think if Joe can pull out one of those trick plays in this match it could be the difference and just in general play like do you expect him to kick the ball a lot because it had you know that's worked well I think in the 2018 game will they use that again will there be anything else they try to do to get on top uh I'd say you could definitely see more of that. You know, we all know how much the emphasis that Joe 
Schmidt puts on um, winning that aerial battle that's been a huge part of uh, his game when he was with Leinster and even more so since he's taken over with Ireland um, you know I do think we can go after them in the air I think Bowden Barrett's very good at fullback with the two wingers um, you know Stockdale and Earls you'd like to think they, they can make a scrap out of the quality of kicks that Conor Murray and Johnny have yeah. putting on the money every time um, and it just gives us oxygen into the match um, Joe uses as uses that as a real energy booster and it's often um, the tactic when we're kind of not really making hay around the middle of the pitch Do you think there's a chance they might go after um, well I, sorry I, I obviously think this but I, I'm interested to hear you get your opinion like it could be a great way to get under Bowden Barrett's kind of skin a little bit in a big pressure environment in a quarter final of World Cup a few high balls with all the lads like literally tearing down on them smashing them early doors like that's it can really shake your confidence you know like if you drop one of them or you know and the pressure gets on like it gets the, the spirits of blow. I think like I get it like he's so bloody dangerous if you have a bad one like he could really hurt you but if you got a good one a few good ones in a row like it's nothing worse like we've both been there in the back of the field like there's nothing worse when you're having a, a bad day uh, dropping a few at the back like it just it breaks your heart like because everyone oh you can feel all your pack going you moron just catch the bloody yeah. thing you can feel it Jordan Murphy yeah. sharpening his pen for his <laughs> yeah, next autobiography exactly, yeah. <laughs> but like I don't know do you think they'll go after him at all or the crowd going, oh, yeah. it's always a nice one when you drop yeah, a ball in the exactly. backfield. <laughs> Try being over in the Dragons in Newport, the abuse. But anyway, yeah. go on. Yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think. Um, yeah, you can put so much value on that. I think that, um, <clears throat> as I just said, without repeating myself, Johnny and, and Connor's kicking is so good and usually it's it's on the money. So uh, the onus is on the guys chasing it um, to tap it back. And I think that... Um, yeah, it could be a good avenue for us to get into the game, but I, I don't think it'll be the first port of call. But I think when we're not going anywhere in the middle of the park, we're trying to stab the ball in behind. At the end of the day, um, Ireland play their best when they're playing that pressure rugby style under Joe Schmidt. And I think um, it's definitely a way of going after the All Blacks. Well, it's interesting because when South Africa kicked loosely against New Zealand in the pool game, that was the two tries in two minutes. You know, it was two kind of box kicks were a little too long mm -hmm. Stevie Reese and you know you know, George Bridge ended up finishing one Scott Barrett the other one so it's kind of a risk and reward one if the kicking game is on it can be very very effective yeah. but if it's not it could cost you 14 points in two minutes uh, the flip side of that is that if you kick loosely to um, any test team you'll usually um, cough up a couple of tries but the All Blacks are the best in the business the best in the world but if you kick ball loosely to them um, they really will punish you so yeah they'll just have to be on the money really mm. and Scott it's interesting you know for Johnny Sexton this will be the first knockout game he's actually started in 2011 he was in the bench he got injured before the Argentina game in 2015 and I guess for a player who this whole decade has been the main man for Leinster in Ireland winning multiple Heineken Cubs multiple Six Nations it's I think he said it already himself this week it's the biggest game of his career probably yeah you know, but he's he has played as I said, earl said earlier he's you know, he's played some big games for you know for for club and country. So, you know, I think he'd be ready for it. Um, you know, I think like that's a that's a crazy. I didn't even think about the fact that he hadn't played that um, hadn't played a game in knockout stages at all. I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind. So, um, oh, he came off the bench, sorry, in New yeah. Zealand. But um, yeah, like as I say, like it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's just another game for him in terms of. Yeah, you know, it's he's big, but yeah, you know, he'll go through that process, and he's so process driven. Like he's crazy with his all his plays and everything that's going on. You know, he'll be <laughs> so he's he, that's his way of ticket of getting anything ready mentally to get him to get him on. I think, to can, think Ireland can use it as a real mental advantage because you know when Johnny Sexton plays well, you know Ireland generally win, and when jo Johnny Sexton is playing, Ireland generally win. I think there was a stat saying that he's won eighteen out of the twenty games he started for Ireland, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
under Joe Schmidt. So it just it's a level of importance. It just it points it out to everyone. Um, he's pivotal under the Joe Schmidt game plan. He always has been, even with Leinster. And uh, you know when he goes well, Ireland usually do as well. Yeah, I find it funny. Like people are always like, "Oh, they're so reliant on him." They're so like he's the best player in the effing world. Like you know, any team would be any team is reliant most of the time on their best player. You know what I mean? Like I don't know why it's always used as a stick to beat Ireland with. Obviously, the best player in the team is generally very important to the team. Well, he plays very much the quarterback role. Like he's like everything that Ireland do, like goes through him. I think what I love, what I loved about playing with Johnny was that I thought his decision making consistently under pressure was really, really good. I haven't come across a player who makes as many good decisions and has as many decisions to make under pressure in a game that makes the right one so often. Um, and particularly when he's playing well, like you saw in, in the Japan game, like when he goes, like it makes a massive difference to the team. You know, it's no surprise against Scotland, Samoa, even when we have 14 men on the pitch that while Johnny's there, like we're still home and we're still making good decisions, everyone around him. Because as, what you have to understand as well, like, you know, everyone talks about him getting those hits on the line, like all your timing and like the guys, like Scott particularly yeah. will, will be able to notice, like playing outside him, he, his, his handling ability is so good, but he can deliver things from way closer to the defensive line. Now there's pros and cons of that you could argue, but I think everyone's timing kind of is very much dependent on him. It's really difficult to make the adjustment to someone who stands a little bit further back live in a game from week to week. So I think it has a huge impact. Um, and I don't know what I could do. Yeah, well, both the tens, both the other tens, so if you say, you know, Carberry and Cardi both mm. play so much deeper. Yeah, massively. So which changes the whole game for a forward and mm. suddenly going backwards to get to, to, to try to build up. And with the way that, Island player, which is such a you know attritional game, you know those those meters that he makes by going forward just give you know mm. forward so many opportunities, and it just softens the blow of how you know how attritional they do play because you know you you're usually on top of them because of what he's done earlier in that phase, kind of thing. Yeah, and when you think about Ireland's campaign, they got so much criticism for that Japan defeat, but Johnny wasn't playing in that game. You know, when he has played in the World Cup, Ireland have been pretty, you know they're really good against Scotland. You know, with fourteen men, puts them all away very easily. So. You know, if you take that kind of big picture view, when Johnny was a bit on the pitch, the campaign, if you compartmentalise it, has actually been pretty good. Yeah, and I think, like, for, for me and Luke that have played with, um, you know, the best of their generation, the likes of O'Connell and, and, and Dricko, who were captains of Ireland, um, and now you've got Johnny there, who's direct, directing everything, but he's the type of player, and Scott will agree with this, I'm sure, he's the type of player that he actually inspires people around him you know, like the stuff he will the messages he'll be saying to the team during the week making sure the plays are perfect but just saying the right things in the change room not saying too much but saying the right things just get himself fully right like he's the type of player you feel like you just can't let down when you're playing with him because he prepares so well. So oh, yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. Exactly. Get yeah. over and it. If really? you don't play well, you might oh, not talk to him. I forgot the line. Get over it, mate. <laughs> yeah. Scott was a bit of a shock when you came to Leinster, you know, dealing with that. Oh, I, as, as a foreigner coming to Leinster, like, I think even most of the foreigners that are here would, would be in agreement that the detail is like through the roof to what we do in Australia and New Zealand would be so different. You know, the meetings go for probably twice as long. Um, the line out you know, we're just sitting so it's hard to keep James Lowe awake <laughs> so but it, yeah we, it's just the detail at Leinster is incredible and I'd imagine Ireland's even even more yeah. so um, yeah for, for us we just kind of like as that kind of play mentality is very much you know the way we kind of brought up but you know obviously the that's been a strength of Ireland is that detail in their set plays and defence because, you know, for me, coming here was a totally different kind of defence system than I'd been taught in and 
was doing in Super Rugby and Test Rugby for so long. Mm, interesting. And yet we've never reached a quarterfinal, past a quarterfinal. Oh, yeah, final, so final. Maybe that's why. Really maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe I mean, detailed. and it was interesting to hear you talk, Scott, because I'm, I'm actually really interested to, to hear about like the journey to the fi- like to the final. Like, I mean, is it like is it as attritional as it sounds? Like, where you, like is, is everyone just hanging on? It's yeah. like eight weeks of like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's my sense of it. Is like well, when so you like, say the six day turnaround was massive. Like the Aussies are all dying for a piss up play. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what was it like? What's the journey like too? Because it's just like it must be unbelievable. Well, being just in the, the final. highs and lows of that. Then you, yeah. With like Scotland was so close to to going out in the quarterfinal. So, like I remember, I told someone the other the other week. I had like. I was getting my floors done in my gaff back in Canberra, <laughs> and I was like thinking when 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 Bernard Foley's lining up that kick, I was like, my gaff's not ready. Like, you better get this, you little bastard. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he kicked it over, but then yeah. you know the semi was like the most the the, the semi final versus Argentina was. Yeah, we started really well. I think we went two tries up, but they just kept coming and coming and coming. And that team was so fit, the Argentinian team, that, you know, obviously they, they knocked off Ireland, you know, yeah, easy, they yeah. put it, they yeah. put a lot of points on Ireland. They, their attack was just like crazy. Yeah. And when you play the Argentinians, it can be a very t- tiring game because they just throw the ball around. Yeah. So you just got to stay connected as a defensive line. The, the, you know, the entire game, you can't switch off. So, like, I remember after that Argentinian game, I got a real bad cork. They came off for about 70 minutes, but then I couldn't run for the first half of the week trying to get ready um, for the final. And, you know, you probably don't th- sit there and enjoy it enough. That's probably the one regret I have from that tournament is that, you know, I, was, I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. Like mm-hmm. I was just concentrating on the you know, next. We were so focused and we'd check, you know, he's got you in this. Like, he's not too intense. Yeah, you know, he's not <laughs> intense no, at he's all. Really no. pretty chilled, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty, <laughs> we've been pretty chilled about the whole time. But uh, he was, we were so focused on everything, you know, you – you in, you know institutionalized at that at that time you know like I said to someone the other week it was like you hadn't done your own washing for six months <laughs> like you hadn't cooked a meal for six months like you'd just been like in this like so like um, you know you're probably just so focused it was it was crazy and then you know it wasn't until my I flew my old man over to for the final and like he was after it he was like crying like going I can't believe you played a final and I was like oh, Jesus that's actually massive how much sting. it means yeah, like yeah. you know it's a, my old man I've never seen him cry in my life and there he is like. <laughs> Really upset, like upset, or like not upset of the game, but just like proud and yeah, it was all the emotions. Yeah, like, because like, we talked about it before the, the tournament, like it, you're so long in camp, like oh. it's such a difficult journey to go on. Like, I know, look, it's unbelievable at the World Cup, like, but it is like it's draining, yeah. like it is, like they're it's you bus, know, it's like bus after oh, bus, man, after, yeah. you know, like flight, repacking the bag, like training room, gear, all the yeah. usual, yeah, all that Jesus. Stuff. What did Michael Checker say before the World Cup final? Did he have some out, outrageous speech or something? No, I think it was. No, like a, he had some outrageous speeches the whole time. But, um, <laughs> Deep him on his head. <laughs> he loves that I one. Like, I don't care what they say. Like, <laughs> us against, always us against them pretty much like as you've seen with this tournament as well. But um, yeah, yeah he didn't, I, I remember it being um, like pretty emotional. We'd been on this long journey. Yeah, we'd come a long way because in the end of 14, we're a bit of a mess and you know, we we lost a lot of games on the on the tour. I missed the tour, but we lost a lot of games, and then you know we kind of we had this big kind of build up, and you know getting to know our, you know getting our identities together, and you know it's it's very different here in Australia to what it is in Ireland. I find you know I've probably got more in common with guys sometimes from Leinster than I would as oh, really? fellow Wallabies players. You know, I've a I probably have a very similar upbringing to say Fergwood or 
you know, jeez, man. Yeah, jeez, been Pretty crazy. Weird, Killed Airman over. <laughs> you must man. have a tough upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a yeah, similar kind of I lifestyle. I grew up on the wrong side of the track. <laughs> <laughs> you have a similar lifestyle, like for me, like yeah. to a lot of things. And then you've got, you know, a lot of Pacific Islander players and a lot of. So we're kind of trying to get that whole, whole thing together where, yeah, probably when you come to Leinster and Ireland, you know, guys are, you know, pretty similar. Yeah. You know, come from the same. They've probably known each other for 20 years, you know. And the Czechs have like a mantra for, because I've always remember with us, we used to have a thing, like every year he'd come in with something different, like we're trekking to, like for the European Cup, it was we're trekking to the highest mountain in in Europe, it was Mont Blanc, so he like, oh, we're at base camp now. <laughs> we're all, did he have anything like that anywhere, kind of journey you're all on together to kind of help yeah, we visualise had like, or yeah, whatever? Yeah, we had like diaries and stuff where we'd all ride in the diaries and, you know, you know feedback into him and... Uh, so everyone, oh, that Jack was kind of cool. Me to me today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he yelled at me again. <laughs> Said I was soft. Um, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, we had kind of, was all like kind of building into that. We'd, we'd actually said we we're going to, we we're so focused on saying we're going to go out and win the final. And that's what I was saying with the Iron thing, even though they're in the quarter versus New Zealand. In some ways, you got to beat, you just go and beat them because you just got to be focused on winning three in a row mm. and, and just winning it. So, yeah. like, we were so focused on just winning seven games. Taking the like, we openly talked about it as a group. We were like, we got to win seven. So when we lost the last game, it was like shock. Like, yeah, we're not doing this. Like, you know, we had our, all our bonuses kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. last yeah. night, we're like, Your we're floors, gonna go for man. Yeah, I get save off my floors. All the bonuses were like trying to. We're gonna win it. You know, we, we as a collective, we were like, we're gonna win this World Cup. Like, yeah. We're not going there to come second, and that was mm. our, our kind of aim. And we are, yeah, openly spoke about that, you know, as a group and in, in media and things like that. I think that's going to be. Fun. But just on that, like, is that what Ireland will be thinking? Because the quarterfinal has always been such a big thing. It's always, oh, we have to get past the quarterfinal. But we'll, like, what? So will it be that, or will it be we have to get past the quarterfinal? I think they'll have a different mentality. Like, it's funny because if you look at Australia across every sport, like, it, unbelievable. Like, I just think Australian sport they just compete unbelievably hard at everything like even like as you say you had a terrible 2014 like they always you guys could have a, like a shocker and like rugby obviously isn't that high up in the what is it the fourth or fifth probably, probably fifth, biggest probably fifth six, biggest yeah. sport yeah like I know it's not the biggest sport here in terms of rugby but the sporting mentality in Australia like savagely like they always seem to like look at the cricket like they just perform so well at the highest level like they always seem to overachieve and I think it's because they have maybe a slightly different mentality to the Irish mentality like the Irish mentality is like oh don't get too far ahead of yourself we're the underdog and we love to play that mm. card. I think that's probably changed a little bit in the last couple of years with like the success of Munster, Leinster, Joe Schmidt having. The, uh, we always talked about not being able to be consistent. I think that's really changed with Joe. Like the mentality here is the expectation is that we should be saying we go out to win or we go out to win a World Cup. So I still feel like you know I wouldn't be afraid of saying that in the media. But I don't think they will. I think the message is going to be the next game. Joe is always about the next game. But behind closed doors and on on your diary or whatever you're 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 writing your goals, it's got to be. I want to be a World Cup. I want to be a World Cup winner. Because now the criticism has been that that was they they were looking at that they should have been looking at you know next game they shouldn't they were actually looking at the World Cup rather than like concentrating on doing having a good Six Nations and building and building and but building. if you look at the team they picked for the Japanese game like I think they picked a bloody good team. Like there was plenty of quality in there to go and beat the Japanese team. They didn't. I, I really feel like the weather had a big impact. I thought they probably didn't think Japan were going to be as good as they were when they saw them previously against uh, was it Russia? Russia I think yeah. they didn't. They they were kind of patchy in that game. So I'd say they thought, look, 
you know, you know, we probably could take a chance and not play, you know, Johnny in this one if he's got a niggle, uh, you know. But you look at the rest of the team, they definitely respected them and knew it was going to be a huge challenge playing a home team in a World Cup. Um, so I just think they just underperformed in that one. I, de I don't think they would have taken that one lightly. I just don't think it's in Joe's DNA to do that either. Or most of those guys, like James Ryan, like Tyke Furlong, you know, Peter O'Mahony, these guys, they're not, they're going to win every single game they're playing. Mm. Um, I just feel like, you know, a culmination of a few things went against him and the impact of, you know, Johnny not playing the thing. Like, that makes a big, that makes a big difference to this Irish team. So, I would say, to come back to your point originally, they, they will have a mentality that they want to win it, but Ireland don't generally do that. They wouldn't, they, we, they kind of talk themselves down. We always have traditionally. Yeah, but like, the, in fairness, some, something about like, you know, they always talk about positive affirmation, you know, like yeah. where you go, we're going to, like, the more you say it, you know, the more chance you have of achieving it. And yeah. like, I, yeah, think, I think it kind of works in some ways. Like, you, I think so. Yeah, I think you so could be right. Seriously. You'd be brash. A little bit brash, but uh, brash, the yeah. way it is. That's why if you describe an Aussie as brash. I think definitely you <laughs> would, yeah. <laughs> I'd say definitely. You, you're working with Czech, you know that he's like that. He's like, he comes in and he says, well, we're going to win this. Yeah. You know, we're not here to come second. Like, yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's the way you got to be like, because I'm still disappointed about coming second four years later. So, mm. you know, anyone yeah, who's, yeah. you know, I'd be disappointed coming seventh or eighth or fifth or sixth or whatever. You just don't, you want to win it. And that's the whole point. Like, what are you sacrificing everything for? Yeah. Like, you like, know what I mean? Why yeah. are you going for like five, five or six months away from all your friends and family? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's uh, like, if you're not going to be a winner, then there's just, you, you shouldn't be on the fucking play. The Aussies, the Aussies always remind me, I think of the Southern Hemisphere version of the French, obviously not the same style of rugby, but at world, <laughs> at world cups, oh, yeah. always produce. at world cups, they just, always. when the stakes are at their highest, the, the Aussies pull yeah. it out of the bag and the, the French revolution. yeah but <laughs> the, the like the French do as well at the oh, World yeah. Cups That's and it's true. just I'm telling you I think one of those teams um, you know both of them could end up in, in the semis but like one of them I think certainly will I think between mm. the, the the French and the Aussies but oh. one thing back to Czechs again about the, the pre-match stuff I'm sure you'll remember this Lukey I was tw 24th man for 2009 final uh, with Leinster and, and you were obviously starting but um, he played. Uh, this is kind of before there was like loads and loads of footage during the week. We know we did footage, but not as much and not to the same level of detail. But he he had clipped up all the best stuff that the team had done uh, that year. You know, because he's, he's you know Czech is the type of coach he'd pump you up. He'd be ready to run through a wall for the guy afterwards. And he played this. He he gave like a pretty um, uh, inspiring speech and then played uh, this video with. Uh, the music in the background, Band of Brothers, I think it was, mm. and it was just like, it was just perfect. It just you're nearly tearing up going, yeah, there. big it time. Unbelievable. And it was just, uh, I'd say he will have those lads so ready for that quarter. Yeah, they'll be fired up for that. Yeah. Like I think it's the they'll be disappointed with, and you know, I was part of a lot of those games. That, you know, we lost, you know, probably six in a row, I think, to England. Which yeah, is, since you beat them at the last World Cup, beating the last World Cup. Yeah, so they've they've obviously you know taken learnings from that, and obviously Eddie's come in and done a great job, but. Um, yeah, they look at you know they've been such a good team you know, over the last four years and so hard to beat. And, and Australia have had their moments where the, I think they just lost like big moments in every in nearly every one of those games. We you know we kind of lost big moments and mm -hmm. you know England you know get an you know ball doesn't go out and they kick it through and score and things like that. Those those controversial decisions 
and stuff like that. The chick was carrying them and oh. twicking them, and everyone loves it. It's great <laughs> fanfare. But he's as entertaining as the match to watch, isn't he, man? He's unbelievable. Like he's just he's, he's so wound up, like he just there's I, like as much as Joe puts in the time, like no one wants it. Like there, I've never met someone who wants to be a winner more than Cheka. Seriously, like he's proper chippy about it. He's a he's a born winner, I think, like or competitor anyway. Like and the Eddie Jones factor makes it interesting as well. Him being yeah. an Australian, like what's the, what's the view in Australia about how he's conducted himself? <laughs> Yeah, oh, they, they start they start the week like straight away getting to know each other like it's <laughs> they're it's really good fun. friends as well, aren't they? Were playing yeah, Ramwick together. Yeah, they're from the same club. Like yeah. most, like everyone's from Ramwick in Australia. Like they all go to the same <laughs> club. But, uh, I'm the only person that's not. I think, but uh, yeah, they all like uh, yeah. I think that's the way the, the game's going at the moment. Anyway, like there's Kiwi coaches all around the world, and mm. you see the the top three probably teams that have gone through in Ireland, Wales, and, and England all have foreign coaches and. Japan, I've gone Japan, Japan, Japan too, a foreign coach. Class, like, yeah, yeah. So Italy have got a foreign coach. Like everybody's got a foreign coach except probably the French who, you know, have really yeah, struggled with that yeah. next, you know, uh, is catching up to the other teams. So, um, but interesting, as you say, that we could still see anything from the French. Oh, they're just like, they're just such an unknown quantity. Like, you know, and it, it was interesting. You know, Bernard Jackman was actually interested because we, we had this conversation about the French coaches, you know, and he said, it's actually really difficult in France because every other country usually just speak in English, bar the Argentinians, right? Mm. Um, so they speak English. So it's really easy to get like a cross-pollination of like really good ideas. Like it's no problem for an Aussie coach or a New Zealand coach to come to England or Ireland or Wales, Scotland, wherever it is. But France, the language barrier makes a massive, massive difference. Um, and, you know, and that's been a big challenge for them, I think, because you see, like, lots of the clubs have maybe a coach who's had to learn. Like, Joe, Joe Schmidt actually had French. He speak, no, spoke French. But lots of other coaches, like, bar the clubs, the national team has never had, a, you know, a foreign coach. Not, like, not really. But you know, Bernard Laporte let the clubs vote, the amateur clubs vote yeah. on whether bringing a foreign coach and they voted against it. So that's why they have Galtier for next But you wonder, like. But Sean I mean, Edwards is coming in as a defence coach. Oh, well, that's, well it is Which good because be, they, yeah. like, they should have someone, like, you need to have different ideas from different yeah. places to, like, really, I think, get the best and, and I get the best out of players because you need new ideas. So I think, just think it's really important to, to grow, like, the rugby mentality around. And, like, it always filters down to all the other clubs the way the national team plays. So good, it is good that they're bringing on someone like that because they'll, they'll benefit from it. But the coach coaching staff like the, whatever it is like the consistency around selection apparently like when you ever talk to the French guys after some of the games in the Six Nations they were like man you were like the you guys are pretty good today. You had a good plan, and like you'd ask them about theirs, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we." It was like well, I remember talking to some of the guys. I won't name who, but they were like, "Yeah." The, the coach basically told us to play like a train, so basically just follow the ball the whole day. Like play like a train was like the, the team of the week, and we were like, "What? You never had a chance, mate!" Like we had Joe Schmidt like going through every tiny part of your game. So, um, and you always hear like all these player revolts in the middle of the competition, but they've so much quality. It's like they almost thing. need that to do well. Controversy or something. Yeah. I think the athletes they have oh, just some of them yeah, are just class. phenomenal. Like Dupont's probably the best nine there is, oh, I think, at the so moment. Good. He's so good. Like, yeah. you know, when he's on fire, you know, for Toulouse, he's just so hard to contain. Mm. Yeah, like so of the kind of outside of the Ireland game of the three matches this weekend for like there's three kind of fairly obvious favourites in England, Wales and South Africa, like mm. which of the three games has the most likely upset, do you think? Uh probably Australia against England, I think. Um, this is obviously leaving aside Ireland yeah. Yeah, I know we're underdogs against New Zealand which I definitely think we can win that game but I think the Aussies um, could be quietly confident going into that game I think the Welsh match they probably coughed up a few tries that they won't do again you know Gareth Davies plucking that ball off from nine 
can guarantee you Guinea won't be <laughs> he won't be throwing passes as long as that from the edge. You know, stuff yeah. like that that went against him the first half the Aussies came back Whatever into he it. dropped the ball when he was oh. like he tried to bump him with the wrong hand and he drops the ball, that mm. goes there would have been seven points or five points at least. Oh. There was other times in attack when but their attack looks really good. Like in, in, I think it's looked the best it's looked in a, in a while. Yeah. In terms of they're playing very flat. Tamu's bring him Tamu in at ten has made he's made a big difference. So I think they'll start Christian with Tamu at twelve because mm. of Tamu is also a very good defender as well. So he's a like big guy, isn't he? Like he's way bigger than he looks. Like he's yeah. a, he, t- he targs out big as well. Yeah. Like he's so Krevi will go thirteen. Well, I think I think so. Like yeah. I think they'll play Krevi. Oh, yeah, it depends. Like uh, O'Connor gives you that link as well. So mm. you know they might they might stick with that twelve thirteen run. But could they play O'Connor at fullback though? I don't think they could will. Change. There's more chance of playing on the wing, isn't there? Yeah, than I think Harry Petty will play fullback. I yeah, think he's been he really good. He was really good versus Wales. I thought that was his best test he's played. So yeah. um, I thought he was excellent. And yeah. obviously, Corabetti's on the other wing. So um, Reese Hodge is now back available for selection. So they might go with Reese Hodge yeah. as well. In saying that, I think that, like, I don't think they'll beat them, but I think it could be like a one score game between South Africa and Japan. I really, I still think that Japan are being underrated after what they've done. I think what they did to the Japanese or did uh, the Japanese did to the Irish in that game um, was vindicated after you saw them how they, well they played against Scotland. They just got an unbelievable plan, and yeah. um, they're really well drilled, and they just looked like a really confident team. Um, the you know, ball is brilliant. For it, it reminds me of the year that Connacht went on that run in the league, and every time they took a big scalp, everyone was like, "Okay, they're going to lose. They lose the next one." And they lose the next one. And everyone kept saying it, they kept saying it. And then eventually they went and won the whole league. Obviously, Japan aren't going to win the World Cup, but like, as you say, they've been playing so well. They play with no fear. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. think they I couldn't agree with you more. Like, they just they look so confident. But they're yeah. a great way of looking at, at, say, when you're a smaller team. So, you know, Ireland essentially are a small team usually, and mm. Irish teams are sometimes to play that way and tire out big teams mm. is. You know they're playing a different brand of footy than, than probably other teams are, and I think it's it's great to see that a you know a smaller team can compete if they do the basics right, the fundamentals right. Their their ruck speed is class, yeah. so good. They're the perfect team, the perfect style to, to actually pull apart South Africa as well. Yeah. I know South Africa have such powerful big men, but they keep moving them around like they moved Scotland, and like Scotland tried to throw the ball around, they were out in their feet at times against Japan. If anything. I felt like Japan take the foot, took the foot off the, gra- the gas in the last 15 minutes yeah. after going ahead. They by, just tried to maintain by two, yeah. two scores, yeah. But I, I think they should have such confidence going into that game, and I think that the South Africans will, will um, definitely be in fear of them. And for you, you know, having spent time in Japan, like how great is it to see their emergence and just, you know, what what's been for just the tournament, but for the rugby culture there in general? Yeah, it's it's like it's great to have. I I said before the tournament that. Yeah, I think this is where the World Cup needs to go to these places, and you see the football World Cup goes to went to Japan in two thousand two, and went to South Africa. Um, obviously, not a football stronghold by any means, but you know, it needs to go around the world. And and I know, although we've had these controversies with um, typhoons and things like that, like I think it's been a success to to have a home nation, you know, Definitely. have Japan go really well, yeah. and yeah. and have a different kind of setting than Europe. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, we. This, it, you'll probably come back to Europe every year or every four years, or but I think, um, you know, I think USA and Canada is probably the next place I need to go in terms of um, yeah. you know, hosting a tournament to to push the game out to more and more people around the world. Particularly when they're trying to expand it over in the states, I think it's yeah. a great point about the states, like because there's like, such potential there. They love the contact over there as well. Yeah. Like I just look at it, like because we all talk about kind of like the Rugby World Cup, the pool stages. Like it's hard to stay interested in because some of the matches aren't that close. Mm. But this World Cup has been unbelievable. Like Uruguay beating Fiji was a yeah, brilliant was that result. That, that was a class yeah, game. You know yeah. what I mean? And then you 
have things like, you know, that like the the Japanese performance. Like, there's 180 million people there. You know, what I mean, this place. Like, if they actually took like, if they took an interest in it, and they look like they are. Mm. Like, that's what we need. We need more of these teams to be a real threat, so that we have group stages where you're like, Jesus, like anything could happen here. Like, because the quarterfinals are there. We're always gonna have enough good teams there for those ones to be really competitive and compelling, and it's gonna gap. Like, it's gonna and like an audience is gonna be there for it. But pool stages, like, you know, there's lots of them where you're saying that the timing wasn't great for some of the games back, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, in the mornings and that. So that's difficult to get a real crowd behind it. But if you had good games, like, you know, if you had more teams, if you had the US really putting it up to teams, um, you know, I think that, like, we need more of these kind of nations. I think it's a great point. Like, we need to be spreading the game because you can't just have eight teams that have a realistic chance of, you know, being competitive even and probably two or three teams that can win the thing. We need to spread the game. I think know? this could be the turning point for Japanese rugby, though, because the first step was the Sun Wolves, obviously, yeah. and they've yeah. kicked on. Yeah. But, you know, for Japan to get to the quarterfinals, first tier two nation to get there, when they're hosting the World Cup, think of how many young boys and girls are going to take up rugby in Japan off the back of this, and this could really kick them on. Mm. So we'll start bringing this to a close now and getting some predictions. But just to finish up on Ireland, New Zealand, like if Ireland are to win this game, like what what does the victory look like for you? Like what, what how does the game unfold? Like is it going to be a tight game like the one in November? Is it going to be like Chicago and it's kind of a bit healthier, skelter? Like what what does the winning performance for Ireland look like for you? Um, I think it looks like kind of controlling. Uh, the pace of the game I think that's a really important thing with New Zealand you have to try and you know get the ball out of play at times in good positions like down the pitch when they're under a bit of pressure like so, so territory is kind of key um, but again the tempo got to control the tempo you got to play at your your you know your pace there's times when you're going to have to survive really long passages of play because everyone on their team is a really good athlete is a really good passer of the ball is a real running threat nearly the whole team is um so there's going to be periods where you're going to have to survive probably long periods um but I think that's I think that's the key of the game. And then like can you compete at set piece? Like the one thing that gives me real confidence in this Irish team is actually the front five. Like that's you know, most most games I think if you're if your front five can get slightly on top or get parity, like you have a good chance of being fairly close on the scoreboard anyway. I think they're those games are rarely that wide apart, I think. And I I just think our props, the two guys on the bench have been brilliant. Like our hookers on the bench, like Rory Best has actually been playing quite well, I think. But the, whoever we have on the bench, you know, will be very strong there. And I think um, you know, that's a key part of the game. If they can get like if the, if they can get their darts right for the line out, if the if the scrum is good, if they kick well, key points. I think they can go to the air against them as well. I think Bridges is good. But I wouldn't be so confident about Bowden Barrett at fullback getting a few high balls with Robbie Henshaw, Rob Carney probably at fullback, you know Jacob Stockdale bearing down on you with good kicks from Conor Murray and and Johnny Sexton. If you got a combination of all those things happening and they deliver defensively, I think it could be a tight one. Mm. Did I cover every single facet yeah. of the game? <laughs> Is there anything left Maybe. to talk about? This is like Ireland, Italy all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Will you just shut up? Um, I think, think uh, yeah, I, th I think, no, certainly not with a lot of the points. I think it's going to have to just be one of the best Joe Schmidt models in terms of a Joe Schmidt performance that this Irish team has, has put together. Um, everyone knows it's probably the biggest challenge that this group of players under him have come up, come up against. So that comes down with the way Ireland were playing under Joe Schmidt and when they've played and beaten the big big teams has been winning set piece. So scrum and line out's going to have to be 100% um, and potentially scoring off one of those launch plays that we mentioned earlier on and yeah, go after them in the air, like Luke, you said. Yeah, and just before we get the last prediction, Scott, anything that Ireland, you think, have to do? Have just to defend get right? well. Yeah. Like if they defend well, really well, 
like they did in that November game, then they're a chance of winning the game. So I think that's their big thing. Like if you look back at that November game, they got one try off that set set play. So they'll get an opportunity and they'll, they take that, defend well during the game. That's mm. all they have to do. So obviously, you know, set piece is a huge part as you have as you've already mentioned, but I think set-piece defence, inner defence, you know, put pressure on them. You look at South Africa in the first half in that um, opening game, that line speed they were taking at them the whole time, you know, sat them down, sat them down. But then one guy doesn't come up, they make a line break, yeah. they get a yellow card, there's 14 points straight away and the game's over really. You can't they, chase them. They need Nigel to bloody ref to, to break down as well. Yeah, it'll be a mess, I think. I think he, uh, yeah. Like I hate going. I just hate that I'm talking about it. I really hope. I thought we. Were, I thought we got Wayne Barnes was the word last night, but I think we got Nigel. I'm really worried about that. I hope he. I hope he actually does his job and referees the game, and is not there to tell jokes with players. Just ref the bloody game. It's too big. I just if he lets me down, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for him because I just be. I just think, like it just. He's burnt too. He burnt me too many times now. I just feel like Luke is gonna fly over. I just. Time. I honestly. I'm, I'm honestly <laughs> gonna criticize him. He just gets away wing. with murder. The guy gets away with murder. Like he just doesn't ref the game. I'm worried about that because New Zealand are. They're really clever playing the ref. I just hope he doesn't doesn't fall for it and just doesn't the pressure doesn't get to him. He needs to ping them if they're they actually shafted. It was actually I think it was Australia in the in the rugby championship, like three pens in a row on the line. Those are like then they, they turned it over eventually, but like didn't give a yellow card, didn't give a pen try. Oh, just don't shaft us. Just please don't shaft us. Yeah, what do you think of Nigel Owens as a ref? <laughs> <laughs> he's actually got to be ref. Uh, yeah, he's a ref on the night. Will is looking for some controversy. Yeah. 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 He can say what he wants to be the ref. Me and Scott yeah. are still playing. Yeah. Yeah. Big Champions yeah. Cup game in a few weeks' time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, fine, you get half hour on that one. Okay, we'll finish off with some predictions. First, go around the table. Wales, France, which way do you see that, Scott? Uh, I'm going to throw... I can just France will win. Just randomly, I think France will just pull something out here that we, we haven't seen yet. Well, I'll go back to their first half in the Six Nations where they were dominant in the yeah. first half and then threw it away in the second. But Literally, Vaham, we literally, threw, it yeah, threw it away. <laughs> literally, yeah. So I think if they can get 60 minutes of the way they played in the first half in the Six Nations, then um, they can win that game. I think it's a um, toss of a coin. It's an unpredictable match because you don't know what French are going to turn up. But I think Gatlin's last uh, tournament with this group of players, I think it's going to be um, a big performance from the Welsh. I think they'll win. I think so. I think they've kind of had the French guys number the last year, and you can't really bully Wales. They're such a big team. Um, I'm going I'm to go with Wales. I think, yeah, I think Wales. South Africa, Japan, Scott. I think, yeah. Uh, I was. I want to say Japan, and I'm, I'm obviously cheering for Japan in that game, and not nothing against South Africa, of course, but uh, I think South Africa will win. But it won't. It'll be close. I think about seven to ten points, like in it, not much in it. I think you kind of half want to. Japan I think I'm going to throw a corker in here yeah I'm going to say Japan I just imagine how good it would be for the competition and for world rugby we pointed out all the all the positives that it's bringing them getting this far in the competition but uh, what a story it would be if they could do it so hopefully they can I think Scott. I think South Africa will be about twenty points. Don't beat them well. Yeah. I bet you coffee from like twenty points. <laughs> what are you going to give me? Really give me like three. Ah, to one. three, three points. I could win three, three coffees. What's the line on that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get them a venti. Three to one. I put a coffee on. Yeah. <laughs> At the top, I don't know. I go. I think twenty points. I think they'll beat them. A well. venti versus a grande. I'm not sure if the size yeah. are right. There. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll beat them. I think they'll just have too, they've too much like size off the bench yeah. as well. I just feel like they get on top of them. They beat them well. And the big one for you, Scott England Australia. 
Australia. I've got to say Australia. It's yeah. um, purely heart-based. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Australia by 15. Oh, there you go. Typical Aussie, 15. They'll win well. They won't win, just small margin. Think, oh, yeah. So okay. if they do win, it's going to be like they win well, they start well, keep playing well. Yeah. I think I think the English will win. I think it'll be a one-score game. I think it'll come down to discipline. We're not very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the Aussies will give away too many penalties, and I think the English will win that match. Uh, I think England. Yeah, I think their their front five will get on top of the Aussie guys, and I think it'll be hard to contain. Um, they miss Billy Billy Vinopolo. Is he out of the boot? Is that confirmed? He's out of the boot, or if Billy Vinopolo doesn't yeah. play, like he's, he's, he's very likely to play, but you wouldn't know what. Yeah, he yeah. could have lost a foot. But he'd have a big, say, be a big impact if they lost yeah. him. But I yeah. think their front five would just have a little bit too much for the Aussies. I think. What about Chaz and Cobley? Is he okay? Yeah, I think he's fit to play. He's alright, is he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he did pick up a knock, but I think he's. He, I yeah. haven't heard. I haven't heard it. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't heard it. Yeah. So the big one, the big prediction, <laughs> Scott. Don't let <laughs> these, these lads can, can't come back into the yeah, change yeah, room, man. <laughs> Ireland, New Zealand. Will Ireland finally get to a World Cup semi-final? I'm not ready for him to come back, so I'm actually enjoying it. It's good crack without him here. Yeah, I think Ireland by five. Just. So it's got to be an upset there. So if I say all four and upsets, then yeah. I'm a chance of picking one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Okay. Yeah. genius. 300 to one accumulator that I think Scott has just mapped out yeah. there. For, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, optimistic as well. I'm going to say Ireland. I think we've got a big, this group of players have come a long, long way. They've done so much together. And as you say, the changeover in the All Blacks team, there's been a lot, lot of different changes they've had. Um, I don't think they'll be, be have put under this type of pressure before by a team um, like this Irish side so hopefully we can do it and before the November fixture I asked you and you thought Ireland would be pumped by like 20 points oh, I didn't think that was a pumping to be honest I thought it was like two tries and maybe two pens but like 20 uh, points is a but two tries and two pens and the worst <laughs> loss to New Zealand like they can really put a score on you if you but play this badly. time around uh, I think uh, I think New Zealand will win I think it'll be tight um, I think Ireland will, will go out on their sword, which is kind of on their shield, however you like to, to word that. I'm not sure I've got that wrong. But, uh, <laughs> whichever one it is, I think they'll go out on it. And I think um, I think they'll put in a really big performance and they, they'll do us really proud. But I just feel like New Zealand will have the edge, I think. Well, so much to play for. Hopefully we're back here next Tuesday talking about the first ever World Cup semi-final. But either way, it'll probably be a cracking weekend. Luke, Ferg, Scott, thanks so much for coming in. That's all we have time from the left wing this week in association with Ali. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the quarterfinal action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. left wing podcast in association with Aldi. Spend 30 euro in store for a chance to win 50,000 euro for your primary school.